Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Joy Church. So good to see everybody. Happy New Year. Hopefully you had a wonderful new year. We have a, a, a mysterious neighbor who in the past few new years, uh, midnight, we forget every year and then we remember at midnight. Um, he rings, oh, I don't know if it's a he. We, someone who, we've never figured out who it is. They ring a bell on at midnight and they just walk up and down the neighborhood and it's for a while. It's like 10, 15 minutes, a dong, 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 which somehow is more annoying than fireworks. Like, I'm, I don't know, fireworks don't really bother me. It's kind of fun. But that, you're like, okay, yeah, it's cool. Bell, it's awesome. Um, you know, if you have been here for the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about how we are about to start our, is, our um, Joy Group Winter Campaign. And um, that is actually launching next week. So most of our Joy Groups are launching next Sunday. And in your cup holder right next to you, you should have one of these brochures. If you will take that out right now, you can just wave it around, wave it at your neighbor. Um, but we're just going to take a look at that really quick. This actually is going to show you every joy group that is open for this winter campaign. So every group that you can take a step to get to be part of. Maybe you've never been in a joy group before. Um, we would love for you to try one out. Maybe you've been in one before and, and you know it closed and you haven't been able to find a new one or, or maybe you didn't really love the one you were in, whatever it is, we would love for you to sign up for a joy group. And this is the perfect time because everyone will be signing up for one. So um, there is this brochure. You can look through them. They're um, organized by day of the week. Isn't that nice? Someone other than me obviously made this, but they're organized by day of the week that they happen on. There's also a little card in the cup holder. And so we've made it so easy for you guys. All you have to do, if you find one of these that you would like to join, that you would like some more information about, just fill out this card and it's gonna ask you for the group number. Just write down whatever group number that you're interested in. If you're interested in more than one, you can write it down. You don't, you're not limited. You can write down as many as you're interested in to find out more information about. But write down that number, and then at the end of the service, when we receive our tithes and offerings, a bucket's going to go in front of you. You can just stick it in that bucket. So easy. You don't even have to leave your seat, right? That's so easy. If for some reason you miss that bucket, you can drop it off at the next table. But we have some really great groups um, that we are offering up for this winter campaign. We have groups that are for anybody, everybody. We have groups that are for women only. We have groups that are for men only. We have groups for people who are over 50 years old. Um, so if you say, I, I really hate being around young people, we have a group for you, right? Um, we have groups, if you're, if you're really busy, you can't give up a night of your week, but you can give up a lunchtime, not give up, I mean, come on, but you can, you can, you can use a lunchtime, maybe you work. We have two groups that meet on Tuesdays that happen during the lunch hour, so they're only an hour long. On here, you're also going to see our women's morning Bible study. That's starting up again on January 21st, so if you want to be part of that, you can also write that on there and sign up for that women's Bible study that happens every Tuesday morning. Um, we have a few different book studies that are happening. We have one called When Helping Hurts. They're going to be following a book study. It's all about, um, about how to, to really do good for people who are poor and how to do the right things, help people in the right way. That's going to be a really great study. And then the rest of our um, 
book studies all happen to be on Sundays. Um, we have a great one happening, Financial Peace University. We talked about that. We showed a video for it last week. That one's going to be starting up the beginning of February so that you have time to get your material for that. That's going to be happening at 5 p.m. at the loft. And same, you can just write that down, put that on there, and the, the leaders are going to get in contact with you and help you know what you need to do. We have a great um, marriage study happening on Sundays. It's the story of marriage by John and Lisa Bevere. You know, I'm going to recommend that you are married if you decide to go to that one. Um, and then we have a great study on The Rock, the Road, and the Rabbi, um, a book by Kathy Lee Gifford. It's all about where Jesus walked when he was on earth and, and what that means for us. That, and that's going to be a really great study. So honestly, look through this brochure. There is some really great studies happening, and we would just love to see every person who comes to Joy Church, or Joy Church is your home, we would love for you to find a group. We would love for you to find that small community. And so if you'll take a look at that, and you know what? Guess what? You can look at it the whole time I talk today. I'm not even going to glare at you or anything like that, but you can just take a look at that um, the whole time today and, and sign up for one of those. And the, those will all start. You'll have another opportunity next week, but do it today, okay? But you can sign up for those um, this week or even next week. But we are starting a new series today. It is all about, it's called Keystone. I know, I, I have to read it again. Leveraging the power of habit. Leveraging the power of habit. We're going to be talking all about habits. How many of you guys have ever had a bad habit, right? I think pretty much everybody. We've all had a bad habit. Well, I want to tell you guys the top most annoying bad habits, okay? I looked these up online, okay? First one, restlessly shaking your leg. How many of you guys do this? It's so funny when you're at a meeting and you're like, why is the whole table moving, restless Ryan, right? Come on, calm it down. Restlessly shaking your leg, talking loudly on the phone. I actually love this habit. I love when people talk loudly on the phone. Even when I'm talking to them on the phone, I love it. It just, I don't know why, it just makes me so happy that they're yelling into their phone. It just delights me. I actually sometimes follow people at the grocery store if, you know, they were talking so loudly and now I'm part of the conversation, right? I'm eavesdropping and I'm like, I gotta find out what happens. I don't need any stuff on this aisle, but I have to know. Um, borrowing someone else's pen, chewing on it, and then returning it. Come on, people. Come on. Chewing with your mouth open. Hmm. Scraping your spoon or fork along your bowl. I actually didn't know that was wrong. I read that one, and I was like, oh, our whole family is not doing good. Um, or clinking your utensils on your teeth. I have to tell you guys, this is true confession. I've started to finally um, admit the horrible things I did as a child because I think the statute of limitations is up at this point. But I, had, I was a middle child, so you know, I was always looking for a reason for someone to notice me. And um, my older sister, she was three years older than me, she, she had lots of things that annoyed her about me in particular. And um, one of them was if I scraped my fork on my teeth you know, and, but I knew it annoyed her, so I would do it on purpose, quietly, when we ate dinner, and she would get so, she would cringe, you know, her, probably her spine was hurting, she was getting so mad, and she'd go, Bethany, please stop doing that, Bethany, please stop doing that, and then pretty soon she'd blow up, right, because I, I wouldn't stop doing it, and then finally my mom, she would be like, Bethany, stop doing that, your sister asked you nicely, and I would go, well, I don't understand what's bothering her, mom, this is the only way I know how to eat. And my mom would be like, Sarah, Sarah, get, leave your sister alone. It's the only way she knows how to eat. And I'd go, hee, hee. 
something was wrong with me. Okay, um, licking your knife. Licking your knife. I, how many of you guys do this if you're brave enough? I, I didn't even know this was a thing. You're not scared of cutting your tongue? That terrifies me. Cracking every bone in your body. Endlessly clicking your pen. Chewing gum like your life depends on it. Biting your nails or being glued to your smartphone. I thought that was funny that that was in a bad habit. I thought that was just our way of life. The average adult will attempt to stop their bad habit twice a year. How many of you guys, that is one of your New Year's resolutions, is stopping your bad habit? Nobody. Everyone's like, I've given up on the resolutions. Um, with six and 10 admitting they have never been able to quit. This is kind of depressing, right? I will never stop clicking my pen. I will click my pen for the rest of my life. Well, keystone habits, that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. And this is something that um, it's from a book by Charles Duhigg. Duhigg. It's called The Power of Habit. It's not um, a Christian book. We're not really talking about that book in this series, but that's where this concept of keystone habit comes from. A keystone habit is small changes or habits that people introduce into their routine that unintentionally carry over into other aspects of their life. So one thing that you change, and for you didn't know, but all of these other things were going to change in your life as well. So here's a couple examples. Making your bed is correlated with increased productivity, greater sense of well-being, and better budgeting skills. Duhigg writes, bed makers are also more likely to like their jobs, own a home, exercise regularly, and feel well-rested. That just seems like show-offs, don't you think? Like brag munchy bed makers? Come on, right? But for whatever reason, this habit of every morning waking up and making your bed, those of you who don't make your bed, I know what you're thinking. I'm going to get back in it. What do I care if it's made, right? I, I get you. I know you. I am you. Okay, so, the, but it says that literally this habit of making your bed makes all of these other things in your bed better in your life, right? We don't know how that happens. Here's another one. Families who habitually eat dinner together seem to raise children with better homework skills, higher grades, greater emotional control, and more confidence. Isn't that crazy? The simple act of eating dinner with your kids, with your family on a regular basis improves their lives so much. I read that and I was like, wow, I, we need to stop eating dinner together as much because my kids don't need any more confidence. <laughs> they kind of need to be brought down a few notches, I think, right? I'm teasing, okay? But today I want to talk to you about the keystone habit of daily Bible reading. Oh, Bethany, it was, it was sounded so fun. We were having so much fun, and you brought this downer into my life. But I want to prove to you that reading your Bible every day literally is a keystone habit in your life. And if you will trust me and begin to do it, you'll begin to see your life change. In Luke 5, 16, it says, As often as possible, Jesus withdrew to the out-of-way out places to pray for prayer. Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer as often as possible. I find this verse extremely encouraging and extremely convicting all at the same time. Here is Jesus, right? We believe if you are Christ's follower, we believe that Jesus was 
he was a normal man, but he also was God incarnate, meaning God in flesh. God left heaven, came to earth to live like us, to be like us, right? And that's who Jesus was. And yet Jesus, right, we look at him and you can read his words, you see what he did in his life, and it's, it's all amazing. And yet even he withdrew as often as he could in order to connect with God. I read that and I realize, wow, I need to connect with God. If Jesus needed to connect with God, how much more do I need to connect with God? And you know, when, when, when I read that and it says Jesus withdrew out of the way places, right? That's, that's not my life. And maybe that's not your life, okay? I'm a mom. I have three kids. They're all under the age of eight. Um, I, I, for some reason, we decided to homeschool them, so I never say goodbye to them. I'm just teasing. But they're always with me, right? So, I mean, as soon as I wake up in the morning, they're there. When before, when I try to go to sleep at night, they're still there. And you're like, I put you to bed like three hours ago. What are you doing here? This happened last night. I said, you've been in bed for like an hour. Why aren't you asleep? Oh, right? They're always there. And so the idea for me personally to withdraw to a faraway place where nobody's at so that I can meet with God is a little bit impossible. I don't know about for your life. But what I want to talk to you guys about today is how that withdrawing really needs to be more of a spiritual position inside of us. That we're withdrawing, we're closing off all of the, the sounds, right? We're closing off all of the social media, we're closing off the news, we're closing off all of these other sounds that are yelling into our life to take a few minutes to meet with God. To read our Bible, to open up the Bible, to open up this book that God gave us, to read it, to spend some time with him. And honestly, the, my children still always come and talk to me while I read my Bible. And that's fine, but it's a position. It's a heart position that I'm putting myself into. That I'm saying, okay, God, it's me and you time. Also, Jack just came in. Okay, God, it's me and you time. Hi, Penny. Okay, God, right? It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to actually physically be far away place. It's a place that I'm going inside where I'm saying, God, it's my time to meet with you. It's my time to know about you. So why, why is Bible reading, why is it even something, is this even something that we need to talk about? Is this something that's not even happening? Um, so I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of the research. In 2015, Lifeway Research Study found that only 45% of people who attend church regularly read their Bible more than once a week. So people who attend church regularly, this is meaning that you go to church probably more than or around three times a month, okay? You're attending church regularly. You are like the church people, you know? Out of those people, only 45% of them read their Bible more than once a week. It says one in five churchgoers say they never read their Bible. So one in five of those people would never read their Bible ever. And the same statistic, one in five say they read their Bible every single day. So we can see that in the church, this is something that we're not all reading our Bibles. But why should we read our Bibles? At the Q Conference gathering of educators, politicians, and Christian leaders designed to stimulate curiosity and ideas on how to advance the common good. So this is a, a big conference where they got together with all of these people from across the spectrum, types of people, types of influencers. How do we make people be good, right? How do we make good happen? How do our communities become good? How do we spread good? 
Ed Stetzer was asked to speak on discipleship that leads people to serve others. So how do we disciple people to a place where they will serve others? And this is what he said. According to LifeWay Research, the one factor that correlated to a greater practice of serving others was reading your Bible. That's wild. Why would me, daily reading my Bible, help me serve others? It seems like those two don't even correspond. But interestingly, he, he found out through this research that reading the Bible was the factor that had the greatest correlation with every other factor of discipleship. So in order for any of us, what they found, in order for any of us to be a better disciple, a better follower of Jesus in any of the areas, let's say in your life, you're looking at Jesus's life and you say, I want to be more like him in the way that he loved people. I want to be more like him in the way that he did miracles. I want to be more like him in the way that he preached the gospel. I want to be more like him in the way that he accepted everyone, no matter their stance, right? Whatever it is that you look at him and you say, I want to be more like him in this way, the number one way that you can get there is by reading your Bible, which that is fascinating to me. The number one way that we can become better disciples of Jesus, better followers of Jesus, is this keystone habit of daily reading our Bible. Ed Stetzer says this, he says, as Christians, we believe scripture, the Bible, is the central and authoritative input by which we engage with and learn from God and the lens through which we interpret all events and trials. So what is he saying? He's saying the Bible is the number one most important way that we engage with God, that we learn from God, and the, the lens, the glasses through which we can see everything else in the world. So how we're supposed to interpret everything that happens in our life, everything that happens in our world, the Bible is the number one way that we are supposed to do that. He says, in this respect, a scripture habit develops and reinforces our Christian worldview in two practical ways. First, reading the Bible provides a daily reorientation of our worldview. And second, reading the Bible is identity forming. Will you leave that quote? on the screen, please. So he's saying the first thing that the Bible does is it provides a daily reorientation of our worldview. What is your worldview? What does that even mean? It's super easy. Someone laughed because it was so easy in first service. It's just the way you view the world. So it's how you view the world. And um, it, we, we usually believe that everyone views the world like us, right? Until you get on social media. And then on Facebook, you see this like cousin and you're like, you think that? What are you thinking, right? But the truth is we all view the world differently. Every single one of us has a different worldview. Your worldview is made up by um, the home you were born in, the area of the country you were born in, the country you were born in, what kind of socioeconomical um, lifestyle you were born into, what kind of education you got. Everything makes up how you view the world. And every single one of us has a different worldview. Jake and I, we've been married for, will be 13 years in March. And even though we've lived our life this close of proximity for this long, we still have separate worldviews, right? So that's why sometimes, you know, I, he says something and I go, hmm? And then he goes, ooh, ooh. right? We have a different worldview. We're, we're, we're saying something different. We're miscommunicating. Something is happening. We went, we went down to Southern Oregon for Christmas, and on our way home, um, you know, I was, I was ranting about someone who said something crazy, you know, at the holiday, and, and I kept harping on it, let's be honest. And I, and I kept coming back to it, and, and I, you know, was telling 
Jake these things. And, and he got this funny smile on his face. And I'm like, why are you smiling? I know I'm being ridiculous still talking about this. And he goes, he goes, no, I'm just so happy that you have this worldview, right? Because he had thought, I thought differently. And he was so happy that we thought the same. <laughs> why? Because we all have different worldviews. And what Ed Stetzer is saying here is that this daily Bible habit, one of the most important things that it will do for your life is that it will reinforce our Christian worldview, right? It provides a daily reorientation of your worldview. Because every single one of us, if you're a Christ follower, we are supposed to slowly be trying to become more like Christ, which, mean, which means we need to change our worldview to be more how God views the world. And every day when we open our Bible and we read it, it reinforces and it changes and it washes away all of those other worldviews. And we remember, oh yeah, this is how God thinks about people. This is what God thinks about the world. Oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. It washes us and reorientates us in our worldview. The second thing, reading the Bible is identity forming. This is so beautiful. There's no other book in the world that is so identity forming as the Bible. There are books that you can read that can change the way that you think, that can change the way that you believe, that can change the way that you live your life, but there's no book that you can open up and literally read about who you are, who God created you to be, why you were made, who you were born to be. There's no other book that can speak to you on the level that the Bible speaks to you. Why? Because it's identity forming. We live in a world that is shouting at you from every side of what your identity is supposed to be. And so it's so important for us as Christ followers that we daily read the Bible so that we can remember, this is who Christ says I am. This is who the Bible says I am. Not what over there saying, not what over there saying, this is who God says that I am. You know, um, in my life, I read the Bible, and I think many people read the Bible this way. I was, um, became a Christian when I was really little. I think I was four years old. And um, so I, I did read my Bible a lot for a young person, for a kid and a teenager. I think I did read my Bible a lot, but there was definitely times where I forgot. As a kid, that's like easy to do. As an adult, that's easy to do, right? Where, you, where I would realize, you know, oh, I haven't read my Bible in like three months or whatever, you know. And so and I would always come back thinking, God is mad at me. Oh, no, I forgot to read my Bible for so long. Like, God is, like, so mad at me. And so I would reopen my Bible, and I would always start with, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I forgot to read my Bible for so long. Like, I'm so sorry, right? And I would just feel this horrible, like, I'm so sorry. Why? Because for me, reading my Bible was something I did as, like, a DTR, a define the relationship with God right? It was something I did to make sure that God still loved me. Okay, for God to love me, I have to make sure that I read my Bible every day because that's my Christian duty. The truth is that's absolutely not true. If you wake up tomorrow morning and you read your Bible, which I hope that you do, God isn't going to love you anymore. I know you guys are like, why am I doing it then? But also that's so wonderful because if I forget tomorrow, it doesn't mean that God loves me any less, right? God loves you, period. The reason I read my 
Bible is so that I become more like him, so that I can hear from him, so that I can know him. It's me feeding into the relationship. It's me, it's me um, willingly opening it up and hearing the words that he wants to speak to me. It's identity forming. It's so important in our lives. About I, I thought this way. I wouldn't have consciously told you that I thought that way about reading my Bible, but I did underneath until probably about five years ago. We were driving in the car talking about something random, me and my husband, Jake, and he said, well, you know, we don't read our Bibles for God. We read our Bibles for ourselves." And I'm like, say those words again. <laughs> what are the words you, that came out of your mouth? Say them, you know, because my whole, my whole brain exploded, right? It almost sounded like heresy to me. And, and I didn't even realize how much I lived my life doing these Christian chores just so that God would still love me. And then Jake said, you don't read your Bible for you or you don't read your Bible for God. You read your Bible for yourself. And that sounded so selfish. It sounds so heretical, but it's absolutely true. We open our Bible every day and we read it for ourselves so that we can become more like him. Daily Bible reading will change your life. Beginning a habit of daily Bible reading will change your spiritual life, which will change your life. So we, we often think of our lives as two things. We have our spiritual life and we have our, our normal, our real life. And the truth is they're, they're really the same thing. It's all together. And beginning a habit of daily Bible reading will change your life. All right, we're going to look at John 15. This is the words of Jesus, and this is one of the last things that he is saying before he is crucified on a cross. So this is one of the last things that he's saying to his disciples, to his followers. And it's in John 15, verse 4. It says, live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. I've loved you the way the father, meaning God has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. You know, I, I specifically chose to read this um, translation because I loved the wording. In, in other translations, it says abide in me. Over and over, it says abide in me. If you abide in me, if I abide in you, which means just stay. But I liked this picture of make your home in me. And we all know what a home is, right? Uh, the place where one lives permanently. This is the place where I live. This is my home, but especially with family members. And that's what God is inviting every single one of us into. Jesus is saying, make your home the place that you dwell permanently in me. I'm going to make the place that I dwell permanently in you. But you do the same. 
I love this part. It says, but if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home with you, what does that mean? What are Jesus's words? They're right here. They're available to you. So, so much of, of our spiritual walk feels very mysterious. I don't know how to get close to God. I don't know how to hear him. I don't know how to reach him. Your first most important step is to just read it. Read what he says. Read this book that he's written to you. You know, this, the Bible is the most read book in all of human history. The most read book in all of human history. And we have it readily available to us. I read this amazing story this week about this girl, um, this Chinese lady. She had grown up not in any sort of Christian you know, belief. Not in a Christian culture. She'd grown up completely Buddhist, never didn't know anything about Christianity or Jesus or anything. But she was at the library and she knew that the Bible was the most read book in human history. And she said, I wonder what it's about. And so she found one at the library and she just opened it up and she just began to read in Genesis. Just read a little bit and was like, hmm, okay, cool, you know. And went and got her books, went her way. But every time she went to the library, she was drawn back to the Bible. She kept going back and she would just read a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more until she became a Christian. She put her faith in Jesus before ever even getting to the part about Jesus, before ever going to a church, before ever hearing the gospel, before ever hearing any of that, because she was drawn to this book. There's something powerful about this book. It's God's book to you. And he's inviting you to read it. What if in 2020, we read this book? The most read book in human history. Don't you want to know what, it's a, what it says? Don't you want to know what it's about? So I really challenge you this year. What if you began having a Bible reading habit? What if you started having this Bible reading habit where you said, God, I'm going to do my best. I know I'm going to miss some days, right? I know I'm going to miss some days. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to miss some days, but I'm trying to make my home in Jesus, and I'm trying to have his home be in me, all right? So I just wanted to give you guys a few practical tips on how you can read your Bible, some practical, how can I do this? How can I make this happen? The first one is to get the YouVersion app. If you have a smartphone, um, I, I know there are other Bible apps, and you are more than welcome to use any of those. Um, this is the only one that I know about. It is the most downloaded uh, app. It is absolutely free, and it has every translation of the Bible that you can think of. So, you know, you can find the Bible on there. It has Bible reading plans, which that is my other piece of advice for you, is that you start a Bible reading plan. You can find one on there. There's ones that will take you um, two years. There's ones that will take you one year. There's one that will, ones that will take you five days. There's ones that will take you 30 days. But start somewhere. This is such an amazing tool, this version app. Um, the, the great thing about this app is that they even have a place where you can listen to your Bible. I know that some of you guys in this room, you might be like, it's hard for me to read my Bible because of my eyesight. Or it's hard for me to read my Bible because of my life. It's hard for me to sit still. I have little kids or I have roommates who are annoying. I don't know, whatever your life is where you say, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to take five minutes and sit down and to read my Bible. Listen to it. In the YouVersion app, you can literally just click the little um, speaker icon and it'll read to you. 
Isn't that amazing? So even if you say, hey, from now on, on my way to work, I'm listening to my Bible. That is an awesome start. That is awesome. Please do it, right? But find a way. Listen to it. You know, I, I always hear lots of things about people who say, like, well, it's not the same as reading it. Statistically, it is the same as reading it. As long as your reading level is over a fourth grade reading level, as long as you read over a fourth grade reading level, which some of you guys are like, dang it. But as long as you read over a fourth grade reading level, the same exact things light up in your brain when you read as when you listen to a book. So if the only way that you have time or the only way that it works for you is listening to your Bible, do it. Listen to your Bible. The next one is to set small goals. You know, maybe you, you're looking at these Bible reading plans and you're thinking, 365 days? I'm an Enneagram 7. I'm afraid of commitment. That is hard, okay? The rest of my life, right? No, thank you. Start small. Start with five days. Try this week. Try to read something this week every single day. Set yourself a small, attainable, totally winnable goal. Crush that goal and then do something else right? Set a small goal. Read it in context. It's really easy for us with technology to just get a verse of the day kind of thing happening. And that's something, but it's so much better for you if you will start to read your Bible in context. So instead of just reading one verse out of Philippians, take the time and read the whole book of Philippians. Find out every little bit of why that verse was written, why it's there. This is really crucial for you to understand more about the Bible for you to understand who this is written to, who they're talking to, what are they even talking about. You can really make verses say whatever you want them to say if you take them out of context. So read it in context. The next thing is to find a translation that works for you. You know, there are so many different translations. And so if you say, hey, I've tried to read the Bible and the King James Version, I just don't understand it. All I have to say is, welcome to the club, right? Find one that works for you. You know, I know that some people, they can be real sticklers, like this one's closer to the actual Bible, you know, the real Hebrew and Greek translations. No, this one is the closest. You know what? I say if you find one that works for you, that helps you to read it every day, do that one. Go with that one. Find one that works for you. Start with a short book, right? Start with, I read from John today. Start with John. Tomorrow morning, read John 1. It's the life of Jesus. Or start with James. It's even shorter or even better, 1 John. This one you can all win in. Start with 1 John this week. You could read that book in one sitting. It's so short, and that will make you so happy. You'll be like, I got a whole book read in 2020. I'm killing it, I'm killing it. And my last, my last little practical piece of advice is to use Bible Project. Bible Project is this awesome organization um, it's these two guys, they make these videos and they just explain to you everything about the Bible. They are very well done. They are very informative. I use them. I love them. You can find them on YouTube. Just search Bible Project. You can find them. They have lots of version In the version app, they have lots of um, Bible reading plans with their videos embedded in them. And um, this is such a great tool. If you've read the Bible for a long time and you're very familiar, you will still learn from these videos. If you don't know anything about the Bible at all, I highly recommend these videos. So tomorrow morning, let's say you're, you're saying, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read the book of John. Just type into YouTube, John Bible Project. It's going to bring you up a whole video about what the book of John is about. Who wrote it? Who it's written to? What are the themes? 
those kinds of things. And it really just breaks down and explains what is happening in the Bible. It's very, very useful. You know, this week, um, I heard this quote, and it's, it's really very unrelated to what we're talking about today. But it, it just really shook me. It stayed with me, and I couldn't shake this quote. It's from a Korean-German philosopher, and I'm going to butcher his name. It's like Byung-Chun Han, okay? Not even close, I'm sure. But um, this Korean-German philosopher, he wrote a book called The Burnout Society, and it's all about our world today, the burnout society. And he was talking about depression, anxiety, and burnout. And he said, all of these are the emotional household we call home. That for this generation, for where we're at in the world today, because of technology, because of our pace of life, because of, of you know, everything that's going on in our world, that depression, anxiety, and burnout are the emotional household we call home. And that stuck out to me so much because I was meditating on John 15, when Jesus saying, I, am, I made my home in you. You make your home in me. And it's so interesting to me that we have a philosopher who is prophesying over all of us that anxiety, depression, and burnout are now our home. When 2,000 years ago, we had someone who said, no, here's the answer. That doesn't have to be your home. I made you, I'm calling you for your home to be in me and for my home to be in you. What a beautiful thing. And what an awesome opportunity every single one of us has to open up this book and to say, God, teach me. Tell me who you are. Tell me how you think, how you love, how you lived your life. You know, maybe you're here today and you say, that all sounds awesome, but I've never made my home in God. And I'm not living, I'm not living with him. I don't know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You know, the very first step to becoming a follower of Jesus is to admit that there is a God, that Jesus was the son of God, and to give him your life. It's not, the, it's not the last step. It's just the first step in your journey of becoming a follower. But today, if you're here in this room, I want to have an opportunity for you to take that first step of following Jesus. So if everyone would just bow their heads, close their eyes. If you're in this room and you say, I want to take that step, I want to follow Jesus, would you lift up your hand? No one's looking around. No one can see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We want to help you on this journey to know how to follow Jesus. Anybody else in this room? You know, in just a minute, thank you. We're gonna, we're gonna pray a prayer. It's not a magic prayer. It's not, you know, you have to get the words exactly right. All it is, is a way for us to put into words that we're putting our trust, that we're putting our faith in God. And so if you raised your hand, or maybe you were too nervous to raise your hand, but today you're saying, no, I want to follow Jesus. Would you pray this prayer with me and pray it with all of your heart? And everyone in this room, everyone around you is going to pray it as well, so you won't be singled out. But let's pray this together. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your life. Thank you for helping me with my life. God, thank you for the sacrifice that you made for me on the cross. God, I invite you into my life. 
I pray you will heal the broken areas of my life. And I give you the things that I'm struggling with. I know that you are God. And I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen.